Test, test. So good morning again, Faithway Church. Good morning, Faithway Church Online. Welcome, welcome this morning. It's a groggy day outside, but nonetheless, it's a beautiful day to worship God. Amen? Amen. So if this is your first time here visiting at Faithway Church, we'd just like to encourage you to stop by the Welcome Center on your way out and just exchange some information with us, and you get to walk out of here with a free gift. So I know everyone loves free gifts. I love free gifts. Who doesn't? Um, if you are joining online and this is your first time joining online also, let us know in the chat where you're tuning in from. And if you have any prayer requests, just let us know also. We have an awesome and fire-filled prayer team, and we have someone who's back there live behind the computer. It's not automated messages getting sent out to you. It's someone who's live and ready to engage and interact with you. So let us know where you're tuning in from, um, which part of the states or the country or the world that you're tuning in from. Um, we have have a couple of announcements. Uh, teams, I know we made this message last week, this announcement last week, but teams, you know, we're starting off the new year and we say don't make a new year's resolution because new year's resolutions are meant to be um, broken, but instead make a faithful commitment, you know, and why not start with a commitment here to serving God. And the way that we serve God is by serving others, becoming his hands and feet. And we've got plenty of space for you here at Faithway. We've got the welcome team, the ushers team, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, cleaning team. We can go on and on, special events, decorating. So if you don't know where you are called to serve, you are called to serve somewhere, and our team can come and help you figure that out and guide you in the right direction. So just stop by the Welcome Center on your way out, and someone will speak to you and try to get you into a team, because we need you. God, God would love to use you in this season. Um, JSMI students' exam will be closing this evening tonight, so um, if you haven't done so, go ahead and do so um, this evening. Also, Laredo services, if you didn't get the announcement last, last week, Laredo services, we have a little change. Instead of 6 p.m., we have service at 1 p.m., so if you're ever in the area or if you have family, 1 p.m. might be more accommodating for you, so send them over. It's 800 East Man Road, uh, right next to the mall. Youth, you guys will be getting together today at 5.30 at the youth building. So bring your friends, bring someone with you. And now that we're speaking about youth, I want to share something with you guys. We shared about an opportunity uh, new on 4th of July. Um, the fireworks stand reached out to us and asked us if we wanted to use a fireworks stand as a fundraiser for the church. So the youth jumped on board and the youth hit record high sales and they sold out which I don't think had ever been done before, and they prospered in it because we walk in God's favor. Amen? So this uh, um, New Year's, whenever they opened up again, we got the same turnout. So that is amazing. So we've pulled in about $27,000. So praise God. That's amazing. So all the youth and all the parents and the directors, you know, we thank you guys for all your your time and that you sow into it. So they are amazing. So kids, if you guys will be going to your classes this morning, parents, you will be texting to register them and we'll be sending them to their age appropriate classes. The number will be up on the screen. All you need to do is text your name, the parent's name, the child's name, and the child's age. That way we can send them to their age appropriate class so they can get the word. So at this time, let's go ahead and open up our hearts, and let's get ready to see the Word and experience life in a new way, the faith way.
on. I'm on here. Thank you. Y'all doing all right this morning? Our harsh winners? Don't complain or we'll send you to Alaska, right? What a week it's been, huh? I think right now, um, with everything, all the different things that are going on in our nation, you know, it's important, you know, we, we can address some of it. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but one thing I want to tell you is nothing is normal anymore, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. And I think right now this series that we're doing, that we just started, is more relevant than ever. And those watching online, of course, you're part of this, and those in-house. And I, I want you to, to listen with that, with that understanding because, you know, our, our, our country has changed dramatically in, in so many levels. And um, I don't want to take this as a holy death, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I have lots of opinions, which I won't share from here because, you know, my opinion and $40 can get you a gas tank full, right? Depending on what kind of vehicle you have. But. So opinions don't really matter. But what does matter is that, that God is on the throne. God is in control. Say amen. amen. And I'm excited. I really am excited about what's, what's happening within the church, within the church family. I'm proud of what this church is doing. You know, I told more than one person this week. I had a, lots of meetings this week, to, you know, especially with Laredo Church. But, you know, the, the, the structure right now in this church is probably one of the best ones we've ever had in 27 years of doing this. You know, as far as the leadership, so I'm very proud of them, you know, of everything that's happening. And, and like Kathy said, I invite you, you know, we invite you to join the team. You know, join the team. Don't, don't just be a spectator. You know, it's way more fun to be on the field. How many can say amen? Unless you're the Dallas Cowboys and you don't want to be on the field. But I'll just leave that there because we're all hurting about that, too. Well, we always, for the last, whatever, 25 years, we've been hurting, so it's all right. But, you know, you do want to be in the, on the field in ministry. It's an exciting place. Um, and everybody, I've always said this, I'll say this again. You've, some of you have overheard this many, many, many times, or heard it many times. The only rock star here is Jesus. You say amen? That's the only one. All of us just have different functions, you know. I, I say jokingly, I get the steering wheel. That's my job, to drive the bus. This, it's kind of fun that our pulpit is round, so it almost looks like a big steering wheel. But that doesn't make me bigger than anybody else, you know. Actually, in the kingdom of God, the bigger you get, the, the less you are, according to Jesus, you know. The first will be last, and the last will be first, and all these contexts. But, you know, everybody's important. The person that comes and cleans the building and prepares this building, and it's a major cleaning. Don't just think they, because we sanitize with all this COVID and all this craziness, you know. And most of people won't notice it, right, but, but they're here at night. Sometimes Diana's by herself, you know, cleaning and getting everything ready for you. That's a team you can join. And guess what? That is as important as whatever I'm going to do. There's, in the eyes of God, it's, that helps team people that nobody will know their name. Nobody saw them in the middle of the night cleaning the church. In God's eyes, he saw it. And their job to clean the church is no less important than my job to deliver the word. Because guess what? If our church was a mess, most of you would be looking at the mess and not listening to the word. Can you believe the church, how dirty it is? Yeah. Right? And that's where people. So everybody's vital. You know, the, the, the people serving your babies in the nursery is, is um, you know, the, the fact that we don't, we're not there to babysit. We are doing things, even at, even at you know, an age where they don't understand the, the praise and worship, the environment, and all, so forth and so on as they move through jam clubs, super kids, eventually our youth group. 
you know, everybody is, 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 is doing their part, you know. And then we got people, you know, that, that their, their biggest call is maybe to support the missions, to support the church. You know, we can't do this without money. Just for grins, not, not that, you know, you notice that, that we had a bit. What was, Kathy, what was our light bill this month, just for grins? So, hope you enjoy the nice, cozy church. Because that's a $1,150 worth of light bill. How would you like to get that bill next month, right? No, it's all good. That's, you see, money, it takes money to, to run these things. So if you wonder, why do they ask for money? Because you like electricity. You guys are cold or frozen or something. Because we could do candlelight and not ever bring up, in, but in the summer it would be pretty hot. Which is fine, because in Cuba it's, that's the way it is. You just melt. Right, Sister Miriam? You just melt in Cuba. You just go in there and... <laughs> So, um, you know, everything is vital. We can't run this church. This is not a one-man show. It never has been, and everybody. So, again, thank you all those that are in leadership. Thank you all those that support it. I just think 2021 is going to be a great year for this church. Can I hear an amen? amen. So we're going to be learning on these things. So let's go right into it this morning. And, Archie, just go with me because our clicker stopped clicking. So um, we're using the same outline as last week. So let's go ahead and get to the word. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. God, we thank you where this word will reach. And Father, we're not here to hear a sermon, we're here to get a word, a word that will change our life, will change our attitude, will change our perspective, will give us an understanding, Father. And I just give you praise and glory, Father, for this church. I thank you for our online church that is on this morning from wherever they're watching, from different parts of America, and for that matter, different parts of the world that are watching this morning. We welcome them, and we thank you that we are Faithway, we are the church with a mission, Father, to be a blessing to our community, to be a blessing to each other. And I just thank you, Father, as we learn and grow that these things will be accomplished in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go right back into where we left off kind of last week. We talked about seeking God through prayer and fasting, and I was going to expound on that, but then I just kind of felt I'll mention a few things, that there's another place we need to go today, uh, I believe by the direction of the Holy Spirit. And um, we're going to discover in the next few weeks what is the kingdom of God and how you can live in it? And the reason this is, I think this is so timely, after what happened Wednesday in our nation, and um, no, you know, I, don't, I didn't agree with, with what happened, but, you know, we saw things that we would have never imagined that we would see in America. So do I agree with that? No, I don't agree with that, but that is the end result of all the other nonsense. I'm not justifying, there's no justice and justification in what happened. And we know there's a lot of things that we don't know. But um, at the end of the day, we, what we do see is, is that society as a whole is very fragile. Do you agree with that? I mean, we, we, like, you know, last year we were here, we were looking at 2020 with expectations and excitement. And we had a huge missions program plan. And I was supposed to be on an airplane with my wife and my grandson to Ukraine at the end of March. Well, guess what happened at the end of March, right? I might still be there. I don't know. Anyway. So we got hit with this pandemic, and what did we find in this pandemic? I mean, what did we discover during the pandemic? We're still discovering that the system that we trust is fragile, and the system that a lot of people had a lot of trust in doesn't deserve to be trusted. I mean, you saw science. They didn't know what's going on. They still don't know what's going on. First it was no masks, then it's masks, then it's, well, we don't know. Just wear it. You know? <laughs> basically, that's basically what they're saying. Yeah, I think it helps, uh, but... You know, we've been on this crazy trip of everybody wearing their masks for three months, and we have the highest rates of COVID. So, hmm, maybe masks is not the answer, right? I mean, I'm just saying. 
And now, you know, your new president will establish mandatory masks. Well, we're Texans, they ain't gonna work. <laughs> you know, that might work up there, but you know, like, yeah, really? Um, so the system is broken. And it's always been broken, it's just America had, you know, really, you know, has gravitated into being a secular nation over many, many years, it's not just happened recently, and the evidence of us being a secular nation is now manifested in the harvest that we see. What am I saying? When you remove God out of your life, things break. That's, I mean, if you don't get any other word this morning, that's your word. And Wednesday, as Kathy mentioned, we were in prayer, you know, as we do. And that's why I want invite people to come Wednesday night if you can, because we never know what's going to happen. We're praying. We're seeking God. And I just got this one word from God. And God, God is, you know, when you get a word from God, it's usually not that complicated, but it's so deep if you keep thinking about it. And it was simply, where God walks, where I walk, God walks. That's all I got. But, you know, if you just think about that, that means that everywhere you go in life, you're never alone. You can go to the darkest corner of this earth. You could go to, you know, the remotest place of the earth. You could be even having a bad day where you think God left you, and God did not leave you. Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, never, not until the end of the world. And that doesn't mean he leaves you at the end of the world. That means that at the end of the world, you're with him. Can I hear an amen? You guys need to act a little more excited this morning because half the church is hunkering down for the brutal winter morning we're having right now, all right? which is a, very sar a lot of sarcasm because I lived in Michigan one, for one year. You guys have no idea what a brutal winter looks like. We'd have 40 minus zero in Michigan. That's pretty cold, all right? We had snow blizzards that would cover the front of your house. You'd have to walk out the back door to get outside. So yeah, there's a whole different level of brutal winters. But for those of you that stayed home, I get it. Love you guys. Enjoy the warmth of your house. But you are here in the building. God bless you. Amen? So the system, we look at it and say, so what is our part, really? Well, God never expected anybody ever, not from the book of Genesis. This is nothing new. What I'm teaching is nothing new. This has been there for thousands of years. It's been there, you know, establishing the, the kingdom of God idea. It's not, not something Jesus just came up with. It's right at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, you're going to find it. Now, why is that important for us to understand? Because one of the key things as a believer you have to understand is that you're not part of that system. Amen? Now, you know, we had a, a situation, and, and again, some of you already gone through this, but it's still the same for all of us. We were exposed a few weeks ago um, to, to, you know, when in a family gathering. Names don't matter, but, you know, we were exposed to COVID and for lots of hours. It wasn't just... I ran into somebody, we spent Christmas with, with family members, and two of them, the next day, the next day, were very sick. So this was, what was Christmas, on a Friday, I guess? So Friday, we're there. Saturday, they called me and said, hey, we got all these, these flu symptoms. They went and tested. They came out positive. Now they're doing great. They're fine. They're, they've retested. They're completely negative. But the point of it is, where I'm going with all this was, you know, so after that, we did what you do, you know, because as a pastor, I'm not going to come to this church and, and, and jeopardize anybody's health. So we waited, because you've got to wait a few days. You can't just test the next day. You waited, you know, the incubation period, whatever. We tested at the proper time, and we all, three of us, my wife and my son, came back negative. And God gets all the glory and says, well, why is that? Well, because we don't believe for it. 
I do, you know, I wash my hands. My hands are so dry with sanitizer that, you know, we're there with a little mask or whatever. But at the end of the day, that's not part, you see, because when I got the results back, and I wish I would just put a slide back, but it was so, to me, just I just saw it. I, I, that's the way I'm, I think things. It was basically all the things they tested, you know, on this side, my name on this side, and it says, you know, what was he, positive? Nothing. Negative. And then on this side is what they tested. There was all, it wasn't just COVID. There's like three different brands of COVID. There's COVID, and there's new and improved COVID, and there's, you know, buy one, get one free, and all that kind of stuff, right? And then they had all these other sicknesses. And one of them, the only one, H is a doctor here, so I'll be careful, but did, did it say Bordetella? That's what they do, dogs or something, right? It was like, uh, it wasn't there? But that's the same thing that you vaccinate your dogs for. Something like that. In the seven way. Same family, different bug. Thank you, doctor. He, he keeps me straight on my medical things, all right? The point is, I looked at that thing, and it was a line in the middle, and then they had a thing. And you know what I saw? I saw a cross. And then I drew it out. I drew it out like this, and I, and I drew it like that, and I put me negative. Well, I know I'm negative anyway, but negative that. And on the other side, I put Jesus Christ and the cross in the middle, because the word of God says he bore all our sins and all our transgressions, and by his stripes we were healed. Jesus took every form of COVID. Jesus took every flu, every cancer. Every, can you imagine a body with everything at one time? And that's why that Roman soldier looked at that and said, my God, this must have been the Son of God. That guy could not know who the Son of God was if he slapped him in the face. What he was, his analogy was, there's no way that this could happen to a person. He must have made his God very angry. That's what the Roman soldier was seeing, because there's no way this body, imagine a body with every cancer on it that exists. Imagine a body with every um, infectious disease that exists, from Ebola to everything, that you, nasty, leprosy. I mean, this body was horrific horrendous, and then put all the sin of mankind. Do any of you have your pictures B.C., before Christ? You just need to pull one of your B.C. pictures out, and you look like, yep, I'm not going to say the word, it starts with an H. <laughs> because you were full of that. I'm not cussing. You look like hell because you were full of hell. I'm talking about myself. I, I can show you a picture when I was 24, and I look older than I do at 54. Because sin has a way of tearing you up. Right? Well, everything's on this body. Everything. So in my little simple way of thinking, I'm like, if he already took COVID, why should I? That's the covenant. And I know some people, I know, I know, maybe not, you guys love me, you guys are great, but there's always that one person somewhere that says, just wait till Pastor Buck gets covid I love you too, okay? I just love you too as much as you love me back. I don't really care what you think. The point is, I've never taken a flu shot, and I don't want to get the flu. Because I don't believe for it. If UPS, I'm going to get to my mess, I'm just using a lot of analogies to get you engage your thinking. If UPS shows up at your house with a box of rattlesnakes, and you can hear them, because rattlesnakes don't go, they don't do that. I live on a ranch. I know what rattlesnakes sound like. It just goes, Shh. 
How many can say amen? You've heard them. And it's just like rattling. And they say, did you order this box of rattlesnakes? If you didn't order it, you better not sign for it. You're like, no, I didn't, but hey, let me have it. Let me turn them loose in the house. Come on, kids, I got you some toys. I know this is so ridiculous, but maybe you engage your thinking to say, that's what we're doing as a church. Everybody's getting COVID. Okay, let me sign for it. I didn't order COVID. I'm not signing for it. I didn't order poverty. I'm not signing for it. I didn't order anything that's under the curse, and I'm not going to take anything that Jesus took for me. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And that's the way we've lived for many, 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 many years. Do we get sick? Yes, you get here and there. But, you know, if I get a sniffle or a cough or a flu symptoms, it's usually gone in 12 hours because I don't believe for it. And at the first sniffle, I'm on, on the blood covenant, and I'm rebuking every devil from hell. And I'm going to say, oh, no, Mr. Devil, you are not going to put this thing on me because that is not my covenant. And that thing goes away. Or how many Sundays do you remember that I've missed because I was sick? In 27 years of ministry, I've never missed a Sunday. Hello? Now, there's been Sundays I didn't want to come, which that's a different story. <laughs> but I wasn't down because I was, oh, well, Pastor, you know, H had to preach because Pastor's at home with the flu. You've never heard that. Have you? The only time I missed church on Sunday was because I was traveling. I'll be honest with you, in 27 years, the only time Sundays I wasn't in a church, I was probably on an airplane or on a car or in a bus somewhere. And all the other Sundays that I wasn't here, I was probably in a church because I will find a church to go to. Even if I'm not preaching, I'll go to church. So everything I'm telling you right now is the idea that you're going to have to, at some point in your life, say, okay, there's a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of the world. And the more you learn about the kingdom of God the more you get to participate in it. And the kingdom of God is not heaven. So you erase out of your head, oh, that means we get to heaven. No, that's called the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God simply means the government of God. So if, you would say, if I was to tell you what's the, I know kingdom is an old, you know, we're talking, we don't have really kingdoms in America, but if I was to, if I was to say what's the kingdom of America, most of you would probably say, well, it's not just, it's not just the location, it's, it's the mindset, right? The American dream, you know, because America is not about a country. America was about a dream. Do you agree with that? Well, even if you don't, that's what it was. People got on a boat and said, we want to worship Jesus. That's, that's how this thing was born. We can't worship Jesus the way we went to over here, so we're going to go out into the wild, basically, and find a place where nobody will bother us, and we can be free to worship. That's what America was born from. And with that idea, we, we created a wonderful constitution and a wonderful Bill of Rights and a Declaration of Independence, which was all wrapped around the freedom of the people to worship and to do as they please with small government. Well, that's going a long way, but I'm not going to get bogged down on that. My point is, we understand that. If I tell you what's the kingdom of, for example, Ukraine about, well, I could kind of tell you what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in, in, in the Mexico, what's going on in Cuba. And you understand that. Now, the other thing is, I'm kind of introducing this slow, but I want everybody to grab it, is so if you were to travel around the world or to any other nation, it is vitally important that you know how that nation operates. Do you believe that? Because this is what gets Americans in trouble. And that, trust me, I've had a few Americans that shouldn't have been with me on a mission trip, that were with me on a mission trip, they shouldn't have been with me. But when you go to another nation, you're subject to their laws. And it doesn't matter if you like it or you don't like the law, you are subject to that law. 
And that's what happens sometimes with Americans because they go to other countries, they think they have all these broad, amazing rights that we have here, and no, you don't. And you can get in a lot of trouble really quick if you don't know some of these things. So just like if you were to go to Cuba and do something that you weren't aware of, and now you're in jail, you can't, and it, you know, you can't pull your little, oh, I'm in my American card and all that. You can say, well, I didn't know. Well, guess what? Ignorance doesn't exempt you from the law. Y'all still with me this morning? I'm taking you somewhere. Just bear with me. Just bear with me. We're going to get some really good stuff in about a minute here. But you've got you to track with me because that is what's happening with the church. When you talk about the kingdom of God, there, there are parameters. They're not laws like Levitical law, because the Levitical law was something that God placed in the Old Testament for a specific time and for a specific people. That doesn't apply to us, a Gentile church. You know, we weren't Jews. We weren't, we're not coming from the Jewish perspective to worship God. But in the New Testament, there are still boundaries. There are still things that, are, that, that God expects you to operate in. And that's where believers get in trouble because the more you grow in these things, you're going to find out the easier it is to navigate in this wonderful thing called Christianity. Because once you do this, you know, and back, back to that word that we got, you know, where I walk, God walks, that to me is such a simple idea, but such a profound truth because it tells me I have the influence in my life of something supernatural, which is God. And for the most part, and we see it all the time, that God just sticks his little finger into these amazing places of my life and always, 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 everybody say always, always. makes it better. Amen. So this is not about religion. You know, if, if this is about religion, you're, you're missing everything. This is about a relationship and trusting. And, you know, if, and I go back to, for example, my parents' home. When I lived there, guess what? I was subject to the parents' rules. No, you guys didn't. And if you didn't like the rules, that was in my house, it was, if you don't like it, leave. And I didn't, and I left. And at the age of 16, I was on my own. That's the truth. I'm not going to take you through my whole life story in central Mexico. You know, so I got a, I've been around the block a few times. I owned, I owned a cantina when I was 17. Are you kidding me? Come on. Don't, don't, y'all look like, oh, pastor can't relate, <laughs> really. Let me help you. You can't relate. Because you got no idea what my life has been. But I can tell you one thing. When I, when I unplugged from the kingdom of darkness, because that's what it's called, and I plugged into the kingdom of God's light, the transformation process began. It wasn't instant. But 27 years, 1992, when I, when I came back to God, you know, I grew up in these things, but when I recommitted my life to God to 2021, it's been an adventure many, many years. But in all these things, even in spite of me, even with where it was my fault, where I did things the wrong way, God had been involved in it. And we are here today because of his grace and mercy. That's the only reason we are here this morning. Amen? Amen. And then somewhere in that process, my wife and I have this passion to say, hey, we want to share this with somebody. The plan was never to be a pastor. Are you kidding me? If I would have known, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would have only known, Diana. No, it was just a desire to share Jesus and his goodness and, and the hunger to say, look what he did for me. 
and invite people to live a lifestyle. And that's how this thing got born. It started in a little, mo actually it started even before our, our house in Randa. We had a mobile home in Randa City. And somehow a couple of teachers from the school, well, I don't know, Maurice probably said something about what we did. He was little, tiny. And they, were, they found interest, and Monica, you know, she'd go to pick him up at the school, and they began talking. And two of these teachers came to our house we, and said, we just want to know about the Bible. So we had a little tiny informal Bible study. That was in 1992, late 1992. Guess what? One of those two teachers is still part of our church today. Glory to God. Amen? And um, that's how this started, which is a desire to say, hey, there's a better way. So when you talk about the kingdom of God, that's basically what I'm telling you. There's a better way. You don't have to walk in it. But if you choose to walk in it, just make sure you understand the parameters of it. Because God does have parameters. God does have, we did a, a life group series a couple years ago. Um, what was it called again? The roadblocks, right? Well, not roadblocks. Guardrails. What God puts in your life are not rules. They're guardrails. Are you with me? What does a guardrail, why does a guardrail even exist on a highway so you don't fall off the highway and go into the creek? That's what it's there for. It's to prevent you from getting hurt. So once you understand that, God, God sets this whole system to say, if you walk within these parameters, you're going to have a pretty good life. Because let me, another comment that I was, you know, conversations I have with my wife, even with, with, with my grandson, I, you know, I have a lot of conversations with him on spiritual, spirituality that, you know, for a 10-year-old, you've got to talk in different ways. But, but, the, but here's the thing, you know, if you look, and I'm speaking, you know, generally speaking, and in my experience, in my estimation, if you look at a family that is walking with God consistently, I'm talking years, they made a commitment to say, we're a Christian family. Does that mean you're perfect? No. There's nobody perfect, only Jesus. That means simply you're pointed. I'm a believer. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to raise my kids in church. Uh, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to not only go to church, I'm going to take some of these truths and implement them in my life and into, and into raising my family and so forth and so on. If you look at that, you're going to discover something pretty amazing that Christian families that, that track this idea that I gave you versus a family that has no context of Christianity, has no connection to God. Not that they're bad people. They just simply don't go to church. They don't understand this. They don't care about it. That family, I'm talking globally, there's a lot more drama, like tons of more drama, in families that don't have God. That is a number that I can, you know, I can, I'm talking about people that are tracking. I'm not talking about anybody. You see people, yes, we go through storms. Every one of you goes through a storm. But our storms are like a really, how can I put it? It's like a really intense rain when in the world it's more like a tornado. Yes, we go through storms, but we don't go through tornadoes. Because tornadoes just destroy everything, right? And, and you see that, that your life, and hopefully you, some of you that have been doing this for a long time, kind of look back. This would do you good even today. Kind of take one moment, look back into your experience with God. When you walked in, first, I'm not going to say church, because church could mean a lot of churches. When you first walked into God, where were you at? Where were you emotionally? Where were you spiritually? Where were you financially? Where were you regarding your health? Where were you? You don't have to answer that. Just go back to that place for a moment and then tell me, where are you today emotionally, financially, 
physically, peace in your home, so forth and so on. And if you do that, you're going to see, yep, pastor is right, because my life was a wreck, and my life is not perfect, but it's a way, way, way better. Can I hear an amen? amen? So that is really what we're trying to do this month with these teaching. Now, I'm already preaching to you, and I'm taking a long time to set this up, but this, you know, Matthew 6, it, there's so much in here. Now, we're not going to read the whole chapter. We will eventually, but I want to take you into this one idea, and then we're going to build from there um, some of the, the things I want to bring to you this morning. So Matthew 6, 19, 33, it says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Verse 20, instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that cannot be stolen, will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. All right? We'll come back to some of that. Let me finish reading it. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation, light, to enter into your being. Your heart is unclouded. The light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate. Darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? Now, this is the Passion Translation. If you read King James, it's worded a little different, but it still means the same thing. But in other words, he's saying that our focus is off. That's basically what he's saying. You know, you can zero in on money if you want. But it's not, the context is not just money. The context is you can look at that system, which is all about what? Say it, money. It is. At the end of the day, that's what it's about, right? None of you go to work just because you love your boss. Except for Diana, of course. Diana would work without even a check, you know. And she has. <laughs> but how many would just go to work tomorrow if your boss said, I can't pay you? That's okay, boss. I just love my job. You're like, yeah, right. <laughs> I ain't going. Well, you know, that's kind of, kind of where we're at with this, right? So that system, the world system, and I'll call it what the, what the Bible calls it in the New Testament, he calls it the world of darkness. I mean, that is the name given by God. Some people call it the Babylonian system or the world system or whatever you want to call it. But once again, all you had to do was watch the news this week and see if it's broken or not. It is broken to the core. That system is broken, and at the end of it, it really is all about money. That's a sad thing. All the plays that you see, all, come on, do you think those people on TV, I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats or whatever, do you really think they really care that much about you? They only care about one thing, about them, and getting their agenda across. That's all they care about. And on the, and on the way, getting a lot of money. Because everybody that goes into politics they go in broke and they come out millionaires. Hmm, we're in the wrong job, Fred. We should just run for politics, man. I thought about it, you know. I'll be the mayor of Heavenville, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, we're not incorporated, so we can't do that. You know, that system doesn't care for you. That system has no feelings for you. But if that's all you're going to pursue, can you still get to heaven? Oh, yeah, you, heaven is not, your eternity is not based on if you want to live in the kingdom of God, Jesus was pretty clear, and he says, if you do these things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God, meaning if you choose to walk a certain way, there are things that will not happen in your life. You can love God, you can be heaven-bound, but down here, you're going to live misery because you're part of that government. You say, that's my government. I'm going to, I like Jesus, but I'm not going to let go of that. Well, then enjoy the ride. I still love you. you know, we're still friends. I don't care. My job is not to make you do anything. I'm just saying... There's the, the kingdom of God system is completely different. So that's what he's referring to when he brings up money. So he says, 
But if your eyes are focused on money, what if we take the word money just for teaching purposes and just put on the world? Just, you know, it still is pretty good, right? It says, but if your eyes are focused on the world, the light, meaning God's light, cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. So whatever you focus on, you could say you're feeding on. Yes? And I'll tell you something. Right now we're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting. That doesn't mean I'm not eating. Every, you know, I'm, I'm fasting here and there as I can, taking little times off here, maybe taking a day off and seeking God and praying. And it's been really good for me. I'm not full-blown, you know, not eating. That's not what that was about. It was about separating, regaining your focus. And a lot of good things have come from it. I'm, that's why, I'm, you know, that's how I have a whole different level of excitement this week because I can really begin to see God's plan. So he tells you right there, if your eyes are focused on world, money, flesh, offense, unforgiveness, we could just go down a whole list of things that the world thrives on. I've never seen in this nation the hate that is so deep, left, right, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. It's just hate. Like you have no idea, and it's dark, and it's wicked, and Satan is, is controlling all that because he controls it through hate. Remember that. That's a little side note there. But here he tells you, if your eyes are focused on that, then the light cannot penetrate. So the number one, if you're taking notes, if you're tracking with me, the number one thing before we even start talking about what is the kingdom of God, let's talk about focus. What are you focused on? What is, what is the top five things of your week that, that receive most of your time and attention. Well, obviously, you know, and I'll tell you, to be honest, in my life, my number one focus is take care of my family. That's it. Number one. You know? And I have to believe for a lot of money now because my family keeps growing. I got baby number four on its way. Yay. That's <laughs> I got number four. I got to open another account. Are you kidding me? That's all right. They all have their own little college funds, and I got to take another college fund. Why? Because, you know, I want them to have a little chance at life, right? I guess I was, you know, nowadays, I, well, if they cancel student loans, I guess I don't, they don't need the money. But anyway, stop, Pastor Bob. I got so much stuff I want to say, but I'm not. So, what are you focusing on? Number two focus in my life, guess what it is? You, the church. Family number one, church second. My focus is not my job. My job is good. You know, I haven't had a lot of work here in the last few weeks. It doesn't matter. I had a lot of work before, so I'm in good shape. You know, that's not the point. The point is, that's not my focus. If, I, if that was my focus, I'd have a huge construction company. That's not my focus. You know, I'm happy with where I'm at. You know, I don't, want to, I don't need it to grow anymore. I mean, I got a couple clients. They call me. Why? Because it's, it's good money, but I don't, I'm not to the point where I can't do ministry, because ministry is my, num my number two focus. Number one is my family. Number two is our ministry, you know, what we do with what God called us to do. And, and you could say that, you know, and then, of course, when you say family, well, there's a lot of things you got to focus in there. you got to pay bills, so forth and so on. But, but, you know, you have to be clear what are you looking at, because what you, if you leave the TV on, it will make you so angry. Right? One of the things I did this week, after all that was going on, I said, Lord, one of the things I'm going to fast right now is the news. And since Wednesday, I haven't watched it. 
after all that? Well, I was watching it Wednesday. I said, well, I, I, should I go get my guns or not? You know, I was watching it. No, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But, you know, after all that, I'm like, you know what? You know, there's so much peace in my life because I really don't watch the news. And you know how much it has affected me not watching the news? Zero. I'm giving you some word, guys. It has not, actually, not watching the news has affected me in a lot of good ways because I'm not as mad. I'm not as concerned about it because I got to the point where whatever y'all want to do, you know, you want, y'all want to destroy this nation with socialism, go for it. Because my kingdom is still not bound to your kingdom. This is not our first crisis. Are you kidding me? We were here 9-11. This church was packed out, standing room only. I had people standing all on the way back because nobody knew what was going on. We were here in 08 when the financial crisis hit this nation and the stock market went south and the real estate went and everybody was losing their homes. And guess what? In the middle of that crisis, we moved into a debt-free home. Are you, are you listening to me? The reason I say this is those aren't coincidences. That's just God showing you my kingdom is better than your kingdom. When, when the real estate market is plummeting, God can set things up where you get... You move into a house that doesn't even have a mortgage on it. So, so this is where, I, where we're going. I'm giving you just from my personal experience. I'm not here. This is by no means trying to think at you anything of me or brag. No, no, no. I'm trying to say once you make a choice to say I'm not part of that kingdom, you're going to find out how many things you don't participate in it anymore. Things don't affect you like they used to. The news doesn't affect you. The stuff that's happened in politics doesn't affect you because even since November when we saw what happened, the, my first response was like, really? And then my second response, I said, okay, God's got this because God knows something I don't. And God doesn't have to tell you everything. But I know one thing, God is in charge of his kingdom. So is God in charge of America? No. But he's in charge of his kingdom. If he was in charge of America, we wouldn't have all that hell that we have right now. And when I use hell, I'm not cussing. I'm talking demonic stuff that comes from the pits of hell. All that stuff that's going on in Washington, that is cooked and prepared in the pits of hell. Listen to me. You want to be on the right side of this mess? You don't get with the Republican Party. You don't get with the Democrat Party. You get with God Party. Amen. That's where you got to be. If God said it's wrong, guess what? Deep, 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 deep revelation. It's wrong. Amen. That's it. Don't, you know, I don't have to discuss it. I don't have to have my opinions. If God says that's blasphemy, it's blasphemy. If God says there's a, there's a whole list. Terry brought some of them when he ministered for New Year's Eve in Proverbs where it says these are the things that God hates. You want to find out what God hates? It's in the Bible. And let me tell you, you should hate the things that God hates. Amen, Pastor, that was a great word. I know, it was. It was just amazing. you got to learn to learn. I mean, kingdom of God is going to take a lot of these little things to say, okay, I'm going to have to go home, or I'm just going to wait till Pastor preaches it. I would recommend you go discover it for yourself. Because it might take me six weeks to get to that. And six weeks, there might be all kinds of other stuff going on. So the way things change to society today, you better find out as quick as you can, what does God hate? What does God bless? What is the kingdom of God? What are the parameters? What is my part of the kingdom of God? Because the sooner you, you, you accommodate all these things in your life, that's the quicker you move into the place of the blessing. So number one word this morning is focus. Get your focus, get your focus on the things of God. If that means shut the TV off, you shut the TV off. I don't care what it means. You've got to get your focus on God. Another thing that I've lost complete interest in is social media. That wastes a lot of your time. I mean, you can sit there and scroll for hours, right? No, I mean, social media has a place. I mean, you know, I thank God for social media because we can transmit this message all over the world right now. 
So social media has its place, but it doesn't have a place where it consumes all my life. Where I just got to see what everybody else is up to. Maybe if you were focusing on what you were up to, you'd have a better deal going, right? Yeah, I don't want to hear that. Okay, so focus. If your eyes are focused, the light cannot penetrate. How profound will this darkness within you if the light of truth... I mean, he's telling you right there, he says, the more you look at darkness, the darker you get. The more you focus on a broken system, the more you're going to develop that because here is what happens, and he said it, he said it previously, um, your heart will, all, verse 21, will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Well, how do you know what your treasure is? Really, really easy, what you focus on. So once I establish my focus is my family, guess what's my treasure? Family. When I say my focus is my church, then guess what my focus is? Ministry. You see what I'm saying? Whatever you, whatever you, 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 you focus on will be where your heart, and Jesus said that all the issues of life come from the heart. And Christianity is in a weird place because Christianity wants to resolve everything with your head when Jesus said it's not resolved with your head, it's resolved with your heart, Joe. You know that. Because here's where it is. Amen? So give me the next one, RJ. Let's move forward. I just kind of want to prepare something and we'll take it. So he goes on to say, how can you worship two gods at the same time? Now, he already established what one god was, which is the god of the world, the god of money, the god of stuff, or the god of that system. You will have to hate one and love the other. Well, that's a big word. Because hate is absolute rejection. And you know, one of the sad things, when I say church, remember, I'm not talking faith with church, I'm talking the global body of Christ. Everybody that says, Jesus is Lord. I don't care what tags on your church. You have whatever brand you want, at the end of the day, you're a believer or you're not a believer. But he's saying, how can you worship two gods at the same time you will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship. I didn't come, to, I didn't come this is not my idea. This is Jesus' voice. You cannot or can't worship the true God while being enslaved to the God of money. Or, let's replace the word money just so it has a broader application, the world. You, you know, in, in the kingdom of God, your focus is going to be, has to be laser point focus. What is God doing? What is God's agenda? What is God's, you know, economic plan? What is God's, everything that, that encompasses a government, God has it. You know, somebody said this years ago, and I, I really liked it. I didn't come up with this. There was actually a song. And they said, they, 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 they did a song off the word Bible. And the word Bible what he used, you guys look at me, not at that phone. You look at me right here, right? Like, what? No, that's not this. Is, if it's God, tell him I'll call him back. That's all just, we're almost done. So the word Bible, I like what they prayed, but this is so, it's so this is like children's church stuff, but you, you'll never forget this. And he said, the word Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. I like that. I like that a lot because this is it. You know, did you notice that life did not come with an instruction manual? You just showed up, and if your parents didn't know what they were doing, then you don't know what you were doing. That's, in most cases, that's all of us, right? Because, you know, when you get a baby, it doesn't come with a manual. That would be good, like, oh, here's your baby, and by the way, here's the, here's the owner's manual. Thank you. you. You follow that. 
that kid will be a Harvard graduate, you know. Oh, that would be sweet. But guess what? When you got married, it didn't come with a marriage manual. So you did the best you could because of what you saw your parents. And if your parents screwed it up, more than likely you'll probably screw it up. I'm just being honest. But God made sure that he said, no, 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 you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live on how your parents did or didn't do. You don't have to live on what you know or you want to do. I've given you a manual. It tells you how to treat your wife. Say amen, ladies. Like a precious, fragile vessel. So, hey, vieja! No, that's not precious. la tortilla? No, 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 no. That's not what he meant. So that's not precious, fragile. <laughs> I love to make my wife laugh. That's like my mission in life. If she laughs, I fall out laughing. She's falling out laughing. So, <laughs> Stop, honey, because we'll lose the whole service. Stop. It's just weird. When she starts laughing, it gets on me. So, You know, it tells you how to run your marriage. It tells you how to raise your kids. Parents, don't aggravate your kids. That's what it says. But then it also says, kids, honor your father and your mother. So, I mean, everything is there. And actually, if you honor your father and your mother, then most parents shouldn't aggravate their kids. But it even has instructions as a parent how you're supposed to raise your kids. And it tells you, nurture them in the things of God. And I know, it's, I think Terry brought this up, but it's such a good point. You know, if your kids, they don't get a choice to go to school, do they? So why do they get a choice to go to church? You can elbow your partner if you want. That's fine. I won't look. I don't feel like going to church. Okay, Juanita, you can stay. Really? I don't feel like going to school. Let him stay. As a parent, you have an obligation to nurture and instruct a child in the way that he should go so when he's old, he will not depart from it. Amen. You know, I, 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 hindsight's 2020. 20, there's hundreds of things in my life that I could say I could have done better at parenting. But at the end of the day, I give God the glory. And I told my wife this other day. I said, well, I guess I did one thing right. Because somehow, both of my kids go to church still. They don't have to, because they're adults. They have their own families. But somehow, they still have a desire to go to the house of God. Parents, listen to me. You don't have that long with these kids. When they're born, you're like, ooh, de que que tenga 18 años. No, it comes real quick. Real quick. And to be honest with you, those first five years of that kid's life, you will, you will mold that child into what he will become for the rest of his life. The first five years. That's not my spiritual, that's a st thing that comes from psychology and people that study these things. And if you don't nurture your kids in the ways of God, and then you come back, you know, 10 years later and, and your kids hog wild and you go, God, fix them. God can say, well, I told you how this works. Now, God can still do a miracle for your son or your daughter. Don't get me wrong. I've seen a lot of these. But he gave you an opportunity way back to do it right. But there were the parameters of the kingdom. You've got to track this now. I'm not, I'm not just teaching on parenting. I'm saying there are parameters. Well, my kid, you know, because I was just like, like Terry says, I was drugged to go to church. And I'm not talking medical. They would drag me all the way in. They didn't have to drag me all the way out because I wanted to go. It, you know, there's still probably hymn books in the Baptist church in Mexico City that I probably scratched with a crayon years and years ago. They're probably still there, you know? Because I would sit there, and, and we had benches, and we had things, and I was bored, so I just pulled something out. And, 
And my mom, to keep me quiet, says, can I have a pen? You would think she would know better. <laughs> but you know how parents are like, shut up, listen to the pastor. I'm like, yes, tools. Autographed them, painted pictures, Star Wars, you know, little spaceships. No, my parents said, I don't have any memories where I wasn't in church. I mean, honest. And if that wasn't bad enough, my, dad, my mom had the brilliant idea in second grade to put me in a Christian school. So now it's like going to church every day of your life. That's, how, that's what my life, you know, second grade, it was, they teach you math, they teach you with the Bible. They teach you science, they teach you with the Bible. It was like everything was the Bible. But you know what, now I look back and I say, I thank God for that upbringing. Because I know my mom probably saw that I had something special in my life or a calling, and she, from early age, began to develop that by planting me in that school. So where I'm going with all this is the manual covers everything. It covers your finances. It tells you exactly how to manage your money. And, and if you're having money problems, I'll tell you why it is. The only reason you're having money problems is because you haven't discovered the kingdom of God yet. That's all it is. Because when you discover how the system is wired within the kingdom, your money problems are gone. Just like your health problems. Just like a lot of the things that we've been talking about. So let, let me finish because I've got to get to a point. So he goes on, you cannot worship two gods. You, you, you're going to be devoted to one. Verse 25, this is why I tell you, Never be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing. Everything your body needs isn't more your life than a meal. Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? I, I know these, these things that Jesus brings are so simple, but look, come on, church, honestly, do you think a bird wakes up in the morning and says, oh, my God, how are we going to do? I'm going to pay the light bill and the car payment. Oh, Jesus, you know. Oh, Pastor, that's silly. Well, you know they don't. And Jesus says, if a bird has learned not to worry, and they don't have the ability to operate the kingdom. That's what he says the next thing, because the next line is vital. It's not just a cute little thing that Jesus inserted there. This is one of the keys. And we, if we have time today, we'll see it. If not, we'll see it next week. But it says, they don't plant or reap or store up food. So right there, he gives you a little bit of insight that the kingdom is based on sowing and reaping. All right? Now, I'll prove that. To, I'll not prove it. I'll show you in lots of scriptures where Jesus makes the, the, the comparison. The kingdom of God is as a man that soweth a seed. So right there, he gives you a hint. He says, yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? Look at somebody next to you, if you know them. And say, you, you, you are more valuable than a bird. You are. Liz, you're more valuable than a bird. You can tell me back. Yes, Pastor, you're more valuable than a bird. You are more valuable. Thank you. I am more valuable than a bird. All right. Give me the next one, Archie. Let's go. So which one of you? Now, if you want to help me with this one, you can tell the person next to you, I know he's about to talk to you, so listen. Which one of you? This is really funny, because it's kind of like a joke in our house, but... The Bible says, which one of you could add anything to your life? In King James, it says something to the idea of this. Which one of you could add anything to your stature? In other words, if you're short, yeah, don't even believe to, don't believe to be tall. And that, that's really what it says. That's how, go back and read it. I want to be six and a half feet. Come on, you're barely four. It ain't happening, you know. <laughs> oh, Lord, let's finish this, Jesus. Why would you worry about your clothing? And then he makes another comparison. Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. 
and yet even Solomon, boom, stop. Why does he bring him into this conversation? Uh, because only historically, Solomon was the richest person that has ever lived and will ever live. No, they're not Bill Gates or, or Mr., what is it, the, the guy from Tesla now. You know, he's the number one millionaire, whatever. And that's fine, I like him, you know. No, Solomon was way, 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 way more wealthy than these people. And Solomon's kingdom was so wealthy, the Bible teaches that the silver lost its value. The silver had no value. There was so much gold in the kingdom, and the people were so wealthy, that if you had silver, it was like trash. They would pile it outside the city. It's in the way. Why are we going to store silver when we need room to store the gold? That's basically what was happening. So Solomon, not just Solomon, was the wealth, most wealthiest man that ever lived. The people under his kingdom were some of the wealthiest people that ever lived. That's because the blessing of God was on that kingdom. Not, all, not, for, not always, because he ended up screwing it up. But for a season, he was doing fine. And then, but he makes a comparison. Says, but yet, yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in the beauty more than one of these. And then he just finishes it with this. And this is really where it's going to be our, our, our jumping up point. If the clock permits, I'll, I'll, I'll cover some of it this morning. The, the meat meat will be next week because you know, as soon as I finish this service, I've got to go to Laredo and do another service there. So it says, verse 30, so if God has closed the meadows with hay, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need? That's pretty simple, right? Even though you live with such little faith? I mean, this is kind of a thing because he said, come on, guys, it's not even about so much faith. This is really about are you going to depend on this system? It's more about that than just sitting there and believing for it. It's saying, no, I choose, and hopefully, you know, you can have this conversation with yourself today and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to live by the kingdom of God this year. I'm going to give it all I got for 12 months, and if my life is not absolutely revolutionized in 12 months, then I'll do something different. Trust me, within two or three months of living this way, your life will be so revolutionized, you are not even going to be thinking about the year. That is just the truth. So he says, so God has clothed metal, which, you know, short time, dried up, provide you clothes, even though you live with such little faith. Okay, give me the next one, and then we'll. So then, now he's going to give you instructions. So if you guys wanted bullet points this morning, I'm about to give you one. Number one, forsake your worries. Write it down. Stop worrying about it. You want to live in the kingdom of God? Worrying is fear. Fear has no place in the kingdom of God. We'll, we'll cover all these points in the next few weeks, but look, at, look what fear has done to society in one year. The problem with COVID is not COVID. The problem with COVID is fear. We've had worse epidemics. We've had worse flu. We've had worse bugs. But we didn't have this. It's all about fear. And every time it looks like the people are starting to have their own way of thinking, the government is coming back up saying, no, no, don't think. Don't think on your own. There's still fear. Have more fear. Here, have some more fear. Have some more fear. No, 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 no. We're not there. Have some more fear. And you can say, wait, but your masks aren't working. No, no, wear the mask. But, but it hasn't worked for six. It doesn't matter. Wear the mask. Don't have any opinions. We want you in fear because fear is a controller. And the devil knows it. Hebrews chapter 2, he says that he controlled everybody through fear. So he tells you right now, forsake your fear. Forsake the, well, I, I'm not fearful, Pastor. I'm just worried. No, no, call it what it is. It's fear. Don't pat it. It's fear. Well, there's healthy worry. Okay, tell me which one. Because you know what worry is? Is believing 
for a future event that hasn't happened. If you're afraid you're going to get COVID, if I was you, I'd find somebody that has it and let them just cough in your face, get it, and get it over with. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to get it. Because fearing is believing in reverse. It's in the book of Job. Everything I have feared has come upon me. That's what Job said. So if you want something negative, if you're full of fear and you're not, well, so pastor, I have fear, so what do I do? You know, I'm not, I'm not for, I know people that walk in fear. I'm not undermining that. I've walked in fear in my life. What you do is you counteract it with the kingdom of God. The more you understand how much God loves you, the more you understand how much God's got this, the more you understand how, more, how dependent you are on the things of God, guess what? There's not a whole lot of fear left. So why aren't you afraid of dying? Not really. If I, wasn't afraid, if I was afraid of dying, we wouldn't be traveling the way we travel. There was a season there that it seems like if there was a, if there was a crisis in the world, we would be there. Remember H when we went to Istanbul? We went to a, to a conference in Turkey, in the nation of Turkey, i got to clarify, some of you are thinking, you know, Thanksgiving turkey, no, just turkey, the nation. And we were already bought our tickets, a bomb blew up, blew up in the airport before we arrived, and then, you know, we did our conference, and then right at, right, well, he, he left earlier, because he came back to the States, I went from there to Ukraine, and in that scenario, another bomb blew off in Turkey. And I had to go back to that. I mean, you think we're going to be doing that if we don't understand that? No way. I'm getting on an airplane knowing full of fear. Remember that? We're just like, oh, we're between bombs. You know? Cuba, are you kidding me? Now, Cuba is a safe place to travel, but you've got to make sure you know what you're doing down there and why you're there because your life could go really, 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 really bad, really, really, really quick in a country that has no ties to America. You get in trouble in Cuba, you don't have an embassy to run to. You've got nowhere to run to, actually. Hope you can swim, maybe, you know, especially for 80 miles, because that's the closest America you're going to get. No, you don't operate in fear. In Mexico, with all the craziness, we, you know, we still do what we had to do, you know. You, there, there's no room for fear. But fear cannot just be eliminated. Fear leaves when your faith and your trust in God has grown so much that fear can't come in. So, it's not, well, I don't want to fear, Pastor. Okay, fill yourself up with God. Fill yourself up with God. Fill yourself up with the word. That's what I'm saying. Some of you need to turn off the news and you watch how quick your anger and your fear leave. You know how many people have to say, aren't you worried about now that Biden, are you kidding me? I'm not worried about one thing because I don't care. I'm a patriot. I love this nation and I would do whatever I do. But at the end of the day, before I'm a patriot, I'm a child of God. I don't like it any better than anybody else. But unless God tells me to do something, I'm not going to do anything, but I'm going to tie into his kingdom. Because his kingdom hasn't failed me in, in, in a long time. Well, let me help you. Never. It never failed. So, so my life is adapting. I'm trying to raise my kids this way. I'm trying to raise my grandkids this way. To say, look, this is the way we live. This is not a Sunday thing. You know, Christianity in the box clan is not a Sunday thing. It is a life thing. We're always talking about this. We're always breathing it. We don't just shut the Bible and you never hear about God in our house. It's always a conversation of some form. Yes, we watch regular TVs and we watch regular movies and you know, we, we watch The Mandalorian and all that. We're, all, we're normal. Well, maybe watching The Mandalorian doesn't make you normal, but anyway. Uh, does it? 
It doesn't make you normal? Okay. I'm going to preach on this because he's always judging me. So let's finish. Forsake your worries. Why would you say? Next point. I've got to finish and I'll be done with this scripture. I'm, I'm giving you, this is, a, this is a teaching in here somewhere, right? What will, why don't you, you need to stop saying this. Look at your partner or your friend or the person next to you and say, stop saying this. This conversation should, even if you don't have any food, you don't say this. You might be in a situation where you don't know where your next meal is coming from. I get that. Guess what? Yeah, I've been there. But you don't say it. Because he's telling you, why would you say, why would you say, if you already know what God did to the flowers, if you already know what God did to the birds, if you already know what God is in charge of, why will you say there is lack in my life? That's what he's saying. Where, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? What shall we drink? You, you might not be saying this, but you might be having these conversations over your kitchen table. How are we going to pay the car note this month? You know, we, we have more expenses than the money coming in. Those are valid conversations. What you don't want to say is, oh my God, what am I going to do? Which that's a kind of an oxymoron to start because you said, oh my God. And then you said, what are we going to do? Oh my God which is everything in everything, full of everything, and everything he touches increases, and everything he does blesses, and everything he does that is broken, he will fix it. But in one, in one line, you say both things. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? <laughs> Bible truths are not deep. But you have to do them. You cannot, you cannot speak with a forked tongue when you live in covenant. You've got to speak the covenant, even if everything outside tells you, eh, your life is a mess. Okay, I got that. But my covenant says. The blood of Jesus says. Are you also here? That's covenant. There's blood between us. He shed his blood. And I, I, was, I have a circumcision of the heart. That's what it says in Colossians that makes me part of this family. I'm done with lack. I'm done with strife. I'm done with anger. I'm done with unforgiveness. I'm not going there. It's a waste of time. I'm done with offense. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to get over it. Some of that, somebody, that's a word from God right now. You've got to get over it because that is holding you down. In the kingdom of God, you've got to learn to get over it. All right. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For that is what unbelievers chase after. This is, Jesus is like slapping us this morning in a good way. Because he's saying, what's the difference between them and you? If you're still full of worry. And if you're still full of not understanding. There's no difference. So let's just stop being Christians. Let's just go party like rock stars like we used to do. Because according to this, if we are full of worry and full of fear and full of apprehension because we don't understand God. God Jesus says, you know what? There's really no difference between you and them. I don't know about you, but I believe that. If you call yourself a Christian, there should be some evidence. I mean, I'm not saying immediately, but I'm saying, you know, if you've been a Christian for, let's say, five years, there should be quite a bit of evidence that you're a Christian. I don't expect this from a, somebody just walked in the building today or somebody watching me online that hasn't I don't expect that. But if somebody's been on this for a while, we should be able to see a difference. By the fruit, you will know them, right? And this is such an amazing exhortation on God to say, come on, people, 
believe in me, trust me. I got your back, but you need to rest. You need to rest in the fact that I do got your back. That's what God's telling you this morning. That's kingdom of God thinking. For what will we wear? For the, this is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your body requires? To all the parents and all the grandparents in this room, would you let your child, I'm talking, you know, if he still lives under your roof, hopefully he's not 45, you know what I mean. He lives under your roof. He's under, let's say, 15 years old. Or let's say, 8 years old, something. Or maybe he's a toddler. Do you expect that child, he says, what am I going to wear today? I don't know, go figure it out. Mommy, I'm hungry. Oh, well, I don't know, figure it out. What would make you, as a parent, what, would, what, would, what kind of parent would you be? You'd probably be under arrest pretty soon. You'd be a prisoner parent, right? Because they'd put you up for, what is it? Abandonment? Negligence of children? Now I'm concerned I said that. Some of you are looking at it like, you mean I'm not supposed to do that? No, you're supposed to take care of those kids. That's your expectation. You know, my grandson, you know, but he says, I want eggs and bacon. And since my wife's been delivered from cooking, I'm the one that has to cook the eggs and bacon. <laughs> Freddie's enjoying this sermon. Hitting home, brother. <laughs> she doesn't even bother mind saying, she knows. She says, I, I believe God, I got delivered. She says, I'm done. Those nails cost me a lot of money. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not jeopardizing them being broken because she cooks, you know, so we're not, we're not going there. I'm going I'm to get in so much trouble by the time this is over. But that's basically what he's saying. If your children hopefully go to bed at night not having to figure out where their next meal's coming from. Hopefully. Yes? I don't see my grandson that is now, you know, he's, we're raising him, he's in our house. I don't see him ever having that thought. <gasps> what if I wake up tomorrow, there's not a roof? I don't think he's ever had that thought. I've never asked him, but I just don't think it's there. I don't think he wakes up saying, oh, I don't know if there's going to be food in my house tomorrow, because he's never experienced one zero, he's never experienced one day of lack in his life. Now, my kids, we grew up, they grew up a little different, where there were seasons where we did have lack. There were seasons where there wasn't, Actually, there was one season there where there was not even food. We had to believe God for things. I'm not going to take you through all that. But now this next generation, they have no context of lack, which is a good thing, right? So if a, if a normal parent that, that is imperfect in so many ways, because we can be good parents and be still bad people. I know people that are great parents, but they're still criminals. Do you agree with that? So we being, we can be good parents and still not be very good people. What happens to a God that is perfect and is love and has no sin and has no imperfection? Do you think he can take care of his kids? Oh, yes, he can. The problem is his kids act like he can't. And it's not God that holds back. Is that when we begin to pursue our life to become the God of our own life, that's where we get in trouble. When we become the God of our life, God says, that's a sorry God, but I'll let you worship him. And that's where you end up in a mess. 
because you make decisions without the instructions. You make calls. You do things. You get in situations where if you would have just done what God said, you wouldn't be in that situation. Because most of our problems, people, let's be honest, most of our problems, yeah, the church just loves to blame it on the devil because we don't want to take responsibility. But the devil's an opportunist. A lot of our problems, we open the door. The devil does not have full access into your life. The problem is we open that door through strife, through anger, through unforgiveness, through envy, through doing it, I want to do it my way. I don't care what Pastor Box says. It's not what Pastor Box says, it's what the Word said. And then as you, pro- as you begin to walk into these things, you say, you know, forgiveness is a wonderful thing. You sleep good at night when you don't have anybody, you're not mad at anybody. When there's no strife, the Holy Spirit feels welcome in your home. But if everybody's fighting and bickering and going on and on, the Holy Spirit doesn't feel welcome there. He doesn't feel welcome in your house. He doesn't feel welcome in a church. And one of the reasons this church is going through what I think is a good season is because there's no strife in our leadership. No, I'll be honest with you. Right now, for the last few months, for the last year, I guess, we we know we have things that we have to adjust and talk about, but there's no strife. And the church is healthy. You know, so everything that God tells you, I, I know I'm beating this horse a lot, but is simply make a choice this morning to say, you know what? This year I'm going to take it to pursue and learn what the kingdom of God is. Not, and I'm not just going to wait for Pastor Box to bring it up next Sunday. I'm going to pursue it on my own. Hit your little Google thing, go to your Bible app and put kingdom of God and see how many scriptures and just dig into it and dig into it and dig into it and see if God doesn't begin to talk to you about it. He will. Because do you realize that Jesus mentioned the church three times and he mentioned the kingdom of God over a hundred times. Now that should tell you right there, what should the church be learning about? The word church, Jesus only talks about it three times in, in, in three and a half years of ministry. Well, in our, in the writings that we have, maybe he talked about it more. I can't say that, but in what we have, as far as the history of Jesus, he only talks about it three times. The Ecclesia. He's not even talking about a church building. He's talking about the body. But you know what the kingdom of God? Over 100 times. He brings it up and brings it up and brings it up. And I told you last week, when he was at the book of Acts on his final moment with us, those 40 days that he spent before he went to heaven, it says he preached and talked about the kingdom of God. For 40 days, he sat them and talked to this about them. This is how it's going to work. That's, that was his message. Amen? Let me finish. So above all, here it comes. You ready? If you don't say ready, we're going to take another hour. You ready? Thank you, Deanna. <laughs> That, there was too much excitement in that one. I don't know about that. I expected a more calm ready, but all right. So above all, everybody say above all. Everybody say first things first. Constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. First things first. I mean, it's right there. It says, number one, your number one thing you got to do is chase after it. That word chase is go pursue it with everything you have. The word chase is a hunting word. The word chase is the same thing, and we know hunting in South Texas. You don't, just, you don't just go hunting. You know that. You dress like a tree. You smell like a doe. You do a lot of things to go hunting. You hunt on purpose. A hunter's not that guy that takes a deer out on the highway. That's not a hunter. A hunter somebody wakes up in the morning, got all his gear, spent hundreds of dollars on everything, got all the equipment, got everything, and he's on a pursuit. And that is what God is telling you. This is not some passive, okay, I'll go Sunday, see if I learn something about the kingdom. No, this is an everyday pursuit on understanding how God does what he does. 
That's what kingdom of God is. How God does what he does. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things, you see what he called less important? The things that are major in your life, God says they're less important. The pursuit of stuff, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of clothing, the, the, the money, everything, the, that world. Because he started with money. Remember when he started with it? He said, you can't, you got to hate one or love the other. And he's telling you, love this. Love this. Because he's telling you right there, he says, important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Because guess what? From God's perspective, oh, this gives me so much peace in my life. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I, I know, you know, there's some people that start worrying of stuff that's going to happen next year. What if Jesus comes tomorrow? Well, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? You know, he's telling you, come on, relax, enjoy the ride. I got this. Amen? Y'all get anything out of this this morning? Amen. Go ahead and stand with me. We'll, we'll stop there. Next week, you don't want to miss next week, because we're really going to dig into some things from Mark chapter 4 and other places referring to the kingdom. But I really, really do encourage everyone in this room, everyone watching me online, take some time this week and, and just dig, dig, you know, dig for gold. Do a word search in your Google window. Put kingdom of God scriptures. Hit enter, and then just go see where it takes you. And you're going to discover some amazing things. Every head bowed, every eye closed in the building. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, for the word of God that we've received. We thank you, Lord, that your word is always, always brings truth. And I just thank you, Father, this pursuit of the kingdom of God. It's been, I've been on this for many years, and it feels like I'm starting again, again, Father. I want it so bad to understand it, to live in it, to operate it, to continue to walk in the blessing that you've blessed my wife and I so tremendously, Lord. And we, for that, we thank you, sir. If you're watching me this morning online, if you're here in the building and you haven't met Jesus, your entry, your passport to the kingdom of God is very simple. It's accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's all it takes. It's got to be from your will. It can't be a program thing. I can't force it on you. Just because you repeat a prayer doesn't necessarily happen. If you believe the prayer, it will happen. So I encourage you this morning, I want everybody to pray this prayer. We do this every week because this is what it's about. If you're not sure, if you're a born-again believer, if you're not sure that you're, you're already part of the kingdom of God, pray this prayer by faith. I'll lead you in it. But let me, let me tell you something. If you pray it, the moment you pray it, your name is written down in a covenant book in heaven. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And heaven becomes your home. But not only that, thank God for heaven. Now you get to live here on this little broken earth. You get to live within the kingdom of God principles. And you will have, you won't have to fall into all that craziness that's going on. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. And I thank you that you took all my sins and all sickness and all curse so I don't have to walk in it. I accept you as my Lord and Savior and I promise you, Lord, to do my very best to get to know you. Amen. Keep your eyes closed and this is my prayer for all of us. Father, as we receive the word this morning, I thank you for those souls that made a decision. Maybe some of them were born again but have reaffirmed their commitment to you. That, Father, once again, we are going to prophesy it, we're going to declare it, until this thing happens, that 2021 is a year of the blessing for us. 
that it's a year of recovery. Father, that it's a year that you told me in Psalm 126, that those that sowed with tears will reap plenty harvest, that this is a harvest year for the families of this church. And I know a lot of people have been hit hard on many areas, and we don't make light of that, God, from families, members that have gone to heaven, to maybe unemployment situations, other things that are going on. But Lord, we know one thing, that in this broken system, the kingdom of God grows greater, Father, and we want to be there. I call everyone here blessed, and I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated for a moment, um, just a couple things, and then I'm going to have to um, beeline out of here. Notes. Glory to God. I'll try to do this super, super quick. Um, well, no, let's just, let's just go with it. You guys, you guys are got enough, I think. So the note I got, just so you don't forget, we are having another Super Bowl party. I thought last year was great. How many enjoyed it last year? I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was. We did one. This will be the third one. First one we did was kind of like, we didn't know what we were doing, and we did it. It was good. But then the second was so much better, and guess what? This one's going to be great. This is, you know, this is not about football. This is about family. Because cowboys aren't there, so I really don't care. All right? Let's just, let's just clarify that. I really could care less. And thank God New England's not there. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I'm still glad that they're not there. Anyway. <laughs> Stop, Liz. Sunday, um, February the 7th, we will be here with our big, big Super Bowl party. And, and I'm going to, that Sunday, we'll, I, I will not go to Laredo. We'll make adjustments there or invite them to come over. But we're going to have a good time. Amen? So, so start preparing. But here's what I want you to do. Invite somebody. And if there's a people like, ah, oh, no, you're not con los hermanos and all that, you know, that guy, guy that just says, hey, you want to go to, we're, we're having a Super Bowl party. Because you know what they're thinking? Party, right? And that we're going to watch it on two big screens. Don't say church. And then what you can do to trick them is kind of speed up a little bit, like if you're going to Laredo, and then just beeline it, and they're not, they can't get out. <laughs> then they're here, right? Now, I know, I'm messing with y'all, but invite people. This, these are outreaches, because people don't know what we're about. They think it's all religion, it's all weird, it's all hard. No, we have a great time. Do you agree with that? This church, when we get on, on our little party, Christian party mode, guess what? We have a great time, and we don't wake up hungover. Isn't that cool? You don't wake up with a headache, you, don't wake, you know, you're not there hugging the toilet at three in the morning and all that kind of stuff. So, no, let's enjoy these things. Bring it, bring the people. We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're planning a big one, hopefully for the weather. We're thinking about having like bouncy houses for the kids. It's like a big thing. It's not just, not just watch a game. There's door prizes. There's all kinds of stuff. So, we, so, you know, the more you guys come, the more you get involved, the better it gets. So please attend to that. And of course, the last thing is, you know, we, we honor God and we worship God. And the only, I was going to say a bunch of things, but I need to go. But um, regarding your finances, as, as you learn the kingdom of God, because, you know, giving is a personal thing. You know, it's not, and I hope, I try very hard for it to not come across in any other way. One thing I can promise you, you will never have a high pressure offering in this church ever. I'll tell you what's going on. I'll tell you if you want to give. But I won't sit here because you know what? God's got this. And I, and I learned it during COVID. When our church shut down, our finances tanked. I mean, because hey, nobody, most people didn't know how, what to do or even were doing online giving. You know what God did in an amazing way? That's their trust. He sent partners that I don't even know yet. There's a family up in 
somewhere in the north that watches us every Sunday. They're probably watching us this morning. God bless you if that's you, and I hope to meet you someday. They, they found us somewhere, and they sent, during COVID, they sent over $2,000 to the church. I don't even know them. That's how God, you know, that's when you understand the kingdom of God. I just said, I said, well, Lord, this is your church. I ain't worried about it. And God got this. And he, he talked to people that I don't even know. So begin to trust God because the area of the finances, that's the big one. Remember what this whole thing started on? You can't serve God or mammon. That's what it started on. So now what you got to do is simply say, okay, have, have these conversations with your family. Believe God to say, you know what? We will be tithers. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, and you can look at the natural. Maybe we can't afford it, but it's not what pastor said. It's what God said. Because all these little things, let me tell you, all the, everything that God tells you to do is for your benefit. It's never for his benefit. If he says, give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, men shall bring to your bosom, he knows something you don't. My job is not to figure out where God's going to send the money. My job is to do what God told me to do with the money. Because, boy, he's proven me wrong so many times. There's the times that, that I would see things as a pastor and say, oh, thank God this person... I know they're going to be a blessing to the church, you know. And God will say, let me show you something. He'll pull somebody that's completely not noticed or, or like this situation, people that I haven't even met to send money to the church to just to prove to me that he's got a higher way of doing it. So, so giving to God is really about that. It's about a focus to say, do I trust you with my money? And the more you begin to track in it, you find out that, you, hopefully, and we're all going to be there, we will end up at the place where we are blessed to be a blessing. Because that's what it was all about. To live with an open hand, to help people, to support the work of Jesus, to support missions, you know, to support the things like we're doing in Cuba. I had a great conversation with, actually two conversations this week with Pastor Yoel. And things are really, really difficult in Cuba, but our church and our work down there is blessed. Amen? He's an amazing story of what the blessing does right now because it is I mean, he told me yesterday, he says, we have no food. You can't find food in Cuba right now. So he'll go on these little treks with his car, and he'll pray about it, and he'll just kind of take off, and he'll go here, he'll go there, and eventually, somehow, every day he finds food. He says, but there's no food to be found. You know, it's just crazy what's going on. But guess what? By your giving and your supporting, you are blessing people in Cuba. You're, there's a church that, that is having a church service today in central Mexico because of you. We, we pay for about half of the rent there. You know, there's a lot of things that you don't see that, that are happening because the kingdom is that. It's never about money. It's about love. Can you love God's people? Well, to love God's people, and I've said this many, many times, you know, you can, you can give without loving, but there is no way that you can love without giving. For God so loved you. Gave. So then your money comes into that same pot. And pretty soon you say, okay, I'm going to do the kingdom way. And I'll, I'll teach you all these things in the next few months, I mean, next few weeks the financial approach, everything. But I just encourage you, you know, join us, get with the vision, and that's how you do it online. If you need an envelope for your giving, right next to you is an envelope. And again, thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you because you guys keep this church moving. You keep, I mean, Heavenville is such an amazing church. I never, I'm not saying this to make you feel good. I, I say this all over. The, everywhere I go in the world, I say, I talk about how amazing you guys are because for the amount of people that we have and, and the budget that we have, it's amazing to see what God does. It really is. It, you, would think we are a multi, you would think we're a mega church with 2,000 members with the stuff that we're doing around the world and other nations. Amen. So God bless you. And thank you so much again. 
um, let's start think about the Super Bowl party and um, if I don't see you on Wednesday night I hope you do come to our prayer meeting we'll see you here next Sunday go ahead and stand with me and I'll get you out of here thank you for coming we we love you guys and and I, I need to run out of here as you know because I got to go to the other service but it's all good right now so father we just thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus we thank you Lord for the work